Hello everyone and welcome to our show on a remote radio Limerick. I'm Mark and presenting with me today is Cloda. We have a packed show for you today, touching on a wide variety of issues in sports and news. We'll be looking at students' experiences in the Limerick Immigration Office, life on a yacht during lockdown and how different sports have been hit by COVID-19. First up, we'll hear from our reporter Shane Donovan. Shane talked to coach Kin Moore of St. Francis Boxing Club as well as UL's own elite boxer Rosie DeHarte. We'll also hear the Irish Athletics Boxing Association's response. While some sports have been able to continue throughout lockdown without crowds, this is not the case for everyone. As a close contact physical sport, Boxing has been especially affected by the COVID restrictions. To get a better idea of this, we spoke to Rosie Darty, UL student and All-Ireland champion boxer from St. Francis Boxing Club. We haven't been able to train inside the gym. It's just been um, so outside classes, you know, the social distancing and the wearing the masks. But then again, our training's been cut down a lot. The situation's still so different because although my coach was like still really like supportive through like phones and um, like videos of like maybe showing me techniques and stuff, it's just not the same as like, you know, the same face to face kind of interaction that you're used to having. Rosie also mentioned that training during lockdown brings mental challenges. I kind of got it back now, but I went through a stage maybe in the middle of lockdown where you kind of lost a small bit of motivation simply because you're like at home, you're training yourself. And yeah, don't get me wrong, the coach and everything was there 100% like, but it was just wasn't the same. I didn't have the same motivation myself. At the end of the day, your competition's what it's all about and that's not there at the minute. So I think that's what kind of hindered my motivation. Rosie discussed the idea of being a role model for the younger boxers at the club. Now you do have an example to set to you, so like no matter kind of how you're feeling, you just go like go to training, and because you do have a lot of like the younger ones looking up to you as well. Um, yeah. even when I'm in school now, I'm on school placement in St Munchens, and a lot of the students there have actually found out I'm a boxer as well. So it's a big topic of conversation at the school. Rosie mentioned that there seems to be a difference in how boxing is treated in comparison to other sports in Ireland. Like there's been Gaelic going on and carrying on and there's been different sports and soccer and stuff. Like boxing kind of seems to always be the last sport kind of being like informed of a decision that can be made and has been affected the most. Like I suppose because it is mostly an indoor sport, but like the likes of football and soccer, you see them all still going ahead and stuff. And then there's not really that much clarity over boxing, like when we can train, how we can train. And after Christmas, that could be all another setback again. But I suppose we can just live in hope and hopefully we get some kind of clarity soon. We also managed to talk to Rose's coach, Ken Moore, for his take on these issues. Uh, you know, it's obviously it's not the same. You know, we can't go indoors. We can't use the ring. We can't use our facilities or the bags or anything like that. Or you know, it's 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 non all non contact stuff. But we're very um anxious to keep it going as long as we can, just to keep the link between the club and the members there. Uh, so you know, it's not ideal, but you know, everyone's doing the best they can. We asked Ken if St Francis Boxing Club had received any meaningful governmental support since restrictions were implemented. Uh, no, we haven't. Um, it's a short answer. Um, there is a hardship fund out there that we've um, we have put in for, and that will come to our national governing body, the IABA. Um, again, we, you know, I think it was three months ago. Now we applied for that. Um, this is only a very small amount. You know, it's it's, you know, between a thousand and two thousand euros. Um, to draw down that amount, apparently the amount of paperwork and the amount of um, hoops you have to jump jump through is, are going to be huge. Um, so as we're sitting here today, um, no, we have not received any any financial help. 
mm-hmm. and um, very little information either um, from our, our, our governing body. Ken also expressed his concern for the future of the club. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the future of the club and the sport in general is, is definitely going to be hampered. No more than any other club in Ireland, you know, we still have um, bills to pay and rent to pay. And, and we have seen on a monthly basis since this pandemic started, clubs all over Ireland are closing their doors, unfortunately. You know, they can't, they can't pay the bills, they can't pay the rent. And, you know, the longer you have these doors closed, the harder it is to open them again. Can stress the importance of boxing as a sport in Ireland. It's, um, you know, it's kind of um, a sport for everybody, you know. Socioeconomic um, climates don't come into it. You know, everybody is welcome in the club. It's a fairly cheap, relatively cheap sport that um, people from every background can take part in. Um, so, so, you know, it's important. It's important for, for kids from all area. You know, they can go to the boxing club in their area, you know, meet new friends. Ken finished up by discussing his role in supporting the club members. Somebody was there for us when we, we were there, you know, that, that's kind of how it's looked on. So, you know, it's kind of a bit of payback because, you know, the coaches were there for us and we're just there for the new boys and girls that are coming through the door. And, of course, some of our more, more existing, more successful fighters. We also reached out to Paddy Gallagher, National Secretary of the Irish Athletic Boxing Association. He said that it is up to the clubs to maintain their own rainy day fund and that the IABA could not be expected to shoulder the weight of any financial shortfall. Thank you to Shane for that report and thank you to Kinmore, Rosie DeHorty and Paddy Gallagher. We'll now hear from Mark. Thanks, Clodagh. Earlier, I talked to Tracy Kennedy of the Cork County Board and Luke Mead, a Cork senior hurler, to get their thoughts on how the game has changed without crowds. Let's have a listen. Twenty twenty has been a unique year for many reasons. This idea holds true for sport. Due to new restrictions, players, clubs and organisations have been forced to adapt. Everything from training to organising games has been affected. But sport is as much for the fans as it is for the players. To get some insight into this, I spoke to Tracy Kennedy, chairperson of the Cork County Board, about the implications of banning crowds from GA events. One of the most pressing issues would be in regards to financing these games. We'll now hear from Ms Kennedy for her thoughts on the issue. There is absolutely no doubt that it will have a huge financial impact. Now, we did get to have limited crowds at some of our earlier games. What we've had years where our championship games would have been a million euro. So, obviously, without that, there is a significant financial impact. Has sponsorship been affected? We've been lucky enough, actually. Um, Our county championships didn't have a sponsor for a number of years, and actually we did manage to secure sponsorship this year for both our hurling and football championships. And we actually did get our championships played, so they got the exposure that they would have needed anyway because the fact that games are streamed actually provides even more exposure for our sponsors maybe than they might have had. Like, if this continues, that you can have either zero or possibly up to 200, is it feasible to continue that into 2021? It doesn't cost a huge amount of money to stage our games, but when there are no crowds, only small crowds, there's far fewer resources required in terms of stewarding, you know, and and things like that that might bring extra costs. So from that point of view, it is feasible to continue, but if we have that gap in our revenue for another year, then obviously that's going to make things very, very difficult for us as an organisation. Like, have you any indications from JAHQ or, or anyone that it will, what kind of numbers you will be allowed or will it return to normal at some stage for next summer? 
decisions as opposed to day decisions. So, you know, that that's what it will depend upon. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would have to hope that there is some positivity around vaccines and things like that. So that gives us a little bit of hope. But I wouldn't envisage there being a club championship starting until late July or August of, of so next year. Leagues? Will the leagues be played? The club leagues? We are planning to play our club leagues, yeah. yeah. We're planning to play those in the spring as we normally would. They're not impacted by crowds anyway. So. And I suppose if, if we are lucky enough to be playing club championships in July, August, what kind of measures will, will you be implementing um, to keep crowds and, and players and safe? And some kind of modification of what we currently have is what I would expect. The safety measures being taken are really impressive. Our safety measures obviously are, are very intense at the moment. And I don't know you know, if, if the risk of the virus lessens there might be some loosening of those things, but obviously, as a, you know, as an association, the GA will continue to keep in place whatever our association advises. I suppose, finally, Tracy, just what do you think players make of playing in front of smaller or, or zero crowds? I, I'd have to say it's something that hasn't hampered their performance. I mean, footballers put in an absolutely incredibly yeah. impressive performance against Kerry, and it was very strange to be playing championship games without crowds. But I would say players are very focused. I've no doubt they'd prefer to have clubs. No doubt about that. But I think that we've seen some great games generally, you know, across the championship. It doesn't seem to be having a negative effect. But I can only imagine how strange it must be for them. And, you know, even say our victory against Kerry now is a moment in history for us. And there's no one to celebrate it with, you know, apart from, from ourselves. To discuss the issue from a different perspective, we also got in touch with Cork senior hurler Luke Mead. He first discussed the change in atmosphere around matches. You know, normally there'd be lots of people kind of that'd be going to the matches at the end of every week. Whereas, like, when they're not going to the matches and stuff, they're not, um, you know, there isn't just as much of a buzz at all. We asked Luke if this has affected his motivation during games. Yeah, I suppose it is probably that bit harder to motivate yourself at the end of the day. Like. Luke explained that the flip side of this meant it was sometimes easier to focus. That is one thing I, where I found benefit from it. To be honest, you're definitely more focused on the actual game itself, like communication wise, as well as the other players as well. Like you're definitely more focused as well because you're able to talk to them during the game. Like ultimately, Luke still wants to continue playing as much as possible. A sentiment which I'm sure is shared amongst his teammates. I would say like that we should play the way even if there's no crowd. Like it is better than nothing. To be fair. As the year draws to a close, there is still plenty of uncertainty remaining. However, our nation's athletes have continued to adapt and inspire, providing endless entertainment to us in difficult times. Thanks for that, Mark, and thank you to Tracy Kennedy and Luke Mead for chatting to us. We'll now take a short break. Don't go anywhere. Hello, and welcome back to Remote Radio Limerick. Coming up, we'll hear about life on a yacht during lockdown, and we'll bring you all the latest news. But first, we'll hear from our reporter Shin on what it can be like to register in the Limerick Immigration Office for foreign students. For many people moving to Ireland to further their education or to pursue work, the first stop is the Immigration Office. In the case of Limerick, this office is at Hill Street Garda Station, where the majority of these people register without issues. It's not the case for everyone. Willa is a Chinese student who moved to Ireland to study at the University of Limerick. Willa talked to us about her background and what it means for her name. 
Um, well, I'm from the ethnic minority Russian community of China. We have our own unique culture of name. So I didn't have family name. Also, my family members didn't have surname. Her lack of surname has been officially recognized by the Chinese government. For this reason, Willa left the surname section on her application form blank. She is aware of how unique her situation is and anticipated issues when registering. Well, actually, I thought before I came here that my name might cause some troubles. I have faced some troubles in the past, like I feel my identity information went traveling abroad. Will I explain that they were usually allowance for people in her situation? Then most of people would understand or there will be some special criteria set for people like me. For example, use the period instead of the surname. Even though they may be confused at first, people generally understood her situation after some explaining. You know, this time you seem to be different as the female immigration officer interrupt my explanation, saying that it didn't make sense because everyone should have surname. Then another immigration officer sitting next to her came over to find out what was going on. The immigration officer decided to duplicate Vila's name at her surname. Now my name on my card is Vila Vila. It looks really strange. It wasn't just this that upset Willa, however. Willa went on to explain that the immigration officer was impatient and rude throughout the process. The attitude of that woman scared me. She seemed agitated throughout the entire encounter. The immigration officer even began to insult Willa. Then she said, your English is so bad. How did you get into the universities? Which made me feel incredibly frightened. Because of her bad experience, Willa was anxious to leave the immigration office. Once she did, she was overcome with emotion. I so embarrassed to say that upon leaving that building. I immediately broke down outside and started weeping. Willa was later approached by a student who had a similar experience at the immigration office. The officer commented on the student's relationship with her Irish boyfriend and said that it was very strange. The Vietnamese girl was very sad and told me she was going to write a complete letter. She then contacted several Indian students who had similar experience and included them in Humblant's letter. You worked with the students to contact the immigration office. The immigration officer responded with an apology. We contacted the Garda Press Office for their response. They said that they did not comment on individual cases. Thanks to Jishin and to Wayla for sharing her experience with us there. Soon we'll bring you today's latest news, but first we'll go over to Tloda to get a glimpse at life on a yacht during lockdown. Thanks, Mark. Let's have a listen. Martina Curry left her home in County Clare to work as a chef on a yacht, travelling the world. As the coronavirus began to spread around the world, she and her crew sailed into a global pandemic and spent six weeks locked down on the yacht in Spain. Martina spoke to us about her experience stuff on the news about um, the pandemic and um, like the virus being in China and then obviously Italy was where it had come over and it was getting quite worse there but there was no there was no um, there was no major like change in there in in Italy or anything like that. Martina and her crew were on the move when the new regulations came in. I work with a crew on the yacht and I'm obviously, um, a sh- I was a chef on board, so I, I've, at the time there was eight crew on board. The yacht was currently, was on the way to 
um, to the United States. And we were going to Madeira, which is an island off the coast of Portugal. And that's where we were heading. Unfortunately, by the time we left Spain and got to Madeira, um, the borders had closed, so we couldn't get in. So our next best option was to go to the Canary Islands and we were allowed in there. But it was very uncertain at the time when we left Madeira to to when we actually got to Spain, if we could get in. But fortunately, we got in and the next day, Spain went into lockdown. Spain went into lockdown shortly before Ireland when the Spanish government formally declared a state of emergency over the coronavirus. The country was placed in lockdown and people had to stay at home for two weeks. Martina was in lockdown on the yacht working as a chef. There was there was a bit of a warning, but we didn't realise how strict it was. The day before the lockdown, we were all out having dinner together as a crew and everything. And we were just excited that we had gotten to, to Spain and everything. And then they went into such a strict lockdown. And it was it was pretty tough being on the yacht. Like it sounds ideal being on a yacht in Spain um, during a lockdown. But it's quite hard because we were still all working, like all eight of us in a small space. And then we couldn't actually get off the boat or do anything like that so it was kind of hard I, I really really struggled with it um but it was good because we were still really good friends with everyone um and yeah it, it was good fun but but also still a bit of a struggle if, if that makes sense just because we had really restricted freedom like Martina also spoke about her difficulties in getting home to Ireland it was hard to come home as she was still employed on the yacht when I ended up coming home, I had to take three flights home um, because there was no direct flights and no one was flying. All flights to Ireland had been cancelled. So um, I eventually did get home. So definitely really difficult, um, especially being the chef on board at the time. I found that really, really hard just to try and navigate um, getting all the food and keeping the crew fed and keeping them happy because the main excitement for everyone's day was food. So I found that hard. It was definitely a challenge, but I really enjoyed it. Martina made it home to Ireland safely, but she did not abandon ship completely. Since she spoke to us about her experience, she has set sail on a new adventure to the United States. A huge thank you to Martina Curry for taking the time to talk to us there. The show is drawing to a close, but before we go, let's check in on the latest news. Sixty-six patients are waiting on trolleys at Limerick's University Hospital. Of these, 38 patients are waiting on a trolley in the emergency department. A further 28 patients are waiting on trolleys and wards. Limerick's numbers are now twice above Cork's where there are 31 patients on trolleys. According to today's INMO Trolley Watch, 233 patients are waiting for beds nationwide. Justice Minister Helen McEntee has launched a new bill to make the sharing of intimate images without consent a crime. The new law would see perpetrators jailed for up to seven years. The bill comes after a recent leak of thousands of intimate images of Irish women were shared without consent. All types of media will be included in the legislation. 
The government hopes it can be passed before the end of the year. Labour leader Alan Kelly said the government had some neck to present the bill as their own. He said this is a Labour Party bill the government have copied. Helen McEntee said there was a particular focus on consent when crafting the legislation. She added, I hope this sends a clear message that it is not acceptable. She is confident with all the party support in the government it will be passed. The Cabinet met this morning to discuss plans to reopen businesses across the country. Ministers are expected to push for a relaxation of restrictions. Cabinet sources say ministers will push for shops, restaurants and churches to reopen from next week. The plan is to move the state into level 3 with modifications after the six-week lockdown. Under these new plans, hairdressers and gyms may reopen. However, restaurant openings may be delayed. Retail Excellent have called on the government to move forward with reopening the sector to Monday. Retail Excellence Managing Director Duncan Graham also called on the government to allow for longer trading hours through December. And now it's over to Mark for the sports news. Eddie Brennan has stepped down from his role as Leash Senior Hurling Manager, with backroom player Niall Corcoran and Tommy Fitzgerald following him out the exit door. This is following the release of an off-the-record interview where Brennan skated Leash County Board officials. Leash won the Joe McDonough Cup and reached the All-Ireland quarter-final in 2019 under his stewardship. The appointment of Mickey Hart was announced last night and now the Loud Chairman has expressed his happiness. Our reporter, Shane, has more on the story. Mickey Hart and assistant Gavin Devlin will take over Loud senior footballers as well as their under-20s for the next three years. Loud Chairman Peter Fitzpatrick believes a new duo can bring success to the county but insisted it will take time. The appointment comes after Hart left the Tyrone senior football setup after 18 years last week. Hart will hold his first press conference as Loud manager this Friday. Champions League makes its return this evening with Chelsea travelling to France to play Rennes and Manchester United face Istanbul where a win will keep them top of their group. And some sad news just in, French rugby legend Christophe Dominici has passed away suddenly at the age of 48. Our thoughts go to his family at this sad time. That is all the sports news and there you have it. That's it from us for now. Thank you for listening to Remote Radio Limerick. Brought to you by myself, Mark, Shin, Shane and our producer, Kieran. Goodbye for now.